Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well friends, it really is good to see each and every one of you this evening. Do you trust that you've enjoyed worshiping Jesus Christ, he's our Lord and our Savior, and certainly is deserving of our manifold worship and praise. We now come to a time of reading of God's word and a time of teaching from God's word. This really is the high point of our worship. Um, this is the time that we get to see Jesus Christ in the revealed word of God. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. <laughs> Back a bit. 1 Corinthians 15. We're in the middle of a series. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians for a number of months now. We get to the end of chapter 15. Really, this whole chapter has been about resurrection. Um, Not just Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection as believers. And so we will bring chapter 15 to an end this evening. I'm going to just read verse 50 through to verse 58. But before I read from God's word, can we bow our heads and prepare our hearts to receive the message? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, in your word, you say that men are like grass and all of our glories are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Father God, this evening, we would stand on your word. It is faithful and it is true. It is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. We desire, Lord God, to have our minds renewed and our hearts stirred with new affection and our lives transformed from one degree of glory to the next, that we would be conformed to the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. By your Holy Spirit, would you make it so? These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at the 50th verse, hear the word of God. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and we shall and the dead shall be raised imperishable and we shall be changed 
For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Death stings. Death stings. It really does. Have you felt it? The sting of death, I mean. I'm sure you have a family member, a close friend, work colleague, someone you go to school or varsity with. Death comes to each and every one of us. It is inevitable. And it really does sting. When I was six, my favorite thing in the world to do was to ride on my father's bike. He had a vintage black Suzuki 250 with lots and lots of shiny chrome bits and pieces. It was a loud ride. And my dad would take an oversized helmet, it was silver, with blue stripes along the edge, and he would put it on my head, and he would take two black belts, and he would strap the belts together, and then he would strap me to him, and I would be at the back, and him in the front with my little hands around his waist, holding on for dear life as he hit the open road. Once, there was a swarm of bees that flew by and he had no choice but to ride through the middle of them and one of them crawled up into the leather riding gloves that I had on and they crawled to about this point and the bee stung me right there I was six I can still remember it almost like it was yesterday because it turns out I'm allergic. (laughs) I mean like really allergic. It wasn't long until my wrist started to swell and my chest started to tighten and I was rushed to hospital. Bees sting. It's painful. It hurts. It's sore. But bees don't sting like death stings. Another story from when I was six. My grandfather died. I used to call him Papa 
and I loved him a lot. <laughs> I would sit on his lap on a tan, lazy boy as he read Mr. Pinkwistle and the wishing chair and the faraway tree to me for hours and hours and hours. When he died, the sting of death didn't stop hurting after a day or after a week or even after a year. As I was preparing this message, I still had a lump in my throat as I remembered my papa. His death still stings a bit. It's still a little bit painful. It's still a little bit sore. Tonight, we're going to talk about death. And I know that this is a topic that most of us avoid as best as we possibly can. And we're going to talk about the sting of death, which may cut close to the heart for many of us who are sitting here tonight. But my intention is not that we would walk away broken, walk away hurt, with old and new wounds ripped open. Because the passage that we're considering in front of us is one of the most glorious passages in all of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 to 58. It is about transformation. It is about triumph. And it is about testimony. For those of you who like to take notes, those are the three words you need to jot down. Transformation, <laughs> triumph, and testimony. So first, transformation. And uh, I picked that up from verse 53 to verse 53. We're going to read that text, but let me tell you first what it's all about in those four verses. Friends, our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven. But in Christ, those living with those raised will be changed. That's what these next four verses are about. Let me show you. I read together for, with me so that we have them close to mind. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Just so far. And what we're looking at now is that our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven but in Christ. Those living together with those raised will be changed. So the first bit of that sentence, our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven. It says, it starts off by saying, I tell you this, brothers, brothers, brothers. You can read brothers and sisters there as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 58 all the way 
from verse 50 all the way through to verse 58 is written to brothers, the brethren, believers, the church, people just like us. It says flesh and blood. And then it talks about the perishable. This is talking about our present, temporal, mortal, feeble-framed bodies. This body, with all of its corrupted attributes, its sinful inclinations, must be shed and replaced with something else. It goes on to say, the kingdom of God and the imperishable. This is talking about Jesus Christ's eschatological, that's future, rule and reign, a forever and ever kingdom. We need bodies fit for eternity with Jesus. Heard a story of a Sunday school teacher teaching a group of five-year-old kids. And she wanted to impress upon them the reality that Jesus Christ is the only way to get into heaven. So she asked them a series of questions. The first question was, if I sell everything that I own and give all the money to the church, will I get into heaven? And the classroom, well-taught kids, all said, no, in unison, big voice, no, So she asked a second question. Well, how about if I keep everything clean in the church and I I come here twice a week and I, I clean up and I make sure that everything is nice for all the people that come to church on a Sunday. Will I get into heaven? And the whole classroom started to pattern onto what she was saying and they said, no, you can't get into heaven that way. So she asked a third question. Well, what about if I love my family? And I I love little animals, and I buy candy, and I I give it to children. Will I get into heaven? Whole classroom giggling. (laughs) Said, no, you won't get into heaven. She knew it was time to make a point. And she said, so then, how does one get into heaven? Little kid at the back, must have been a pastor's kid. (laughs) Shouted out, you have to be dead. Well, it turns out, Paul is making the point that you don't just have to be dead to get into heaven. You have to be transformed to get into heaven. Our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven's glory. But in Christ, those living together with those raised will be changed. That's the second half of the verses that we've read. Paul says, behold, it's like a signboard. It's it's pointing us to something. Whatever comes next is very important. Pay attention. He says, this is a mystery. Not this is mysterious. This is a mystery. It was something that was hidden, but now has been fully revealed. He says, those who sleep. Friends, Not every believer will die before Jesus Christ appears. Some of us will be living. Paul 
when he wrote this and in other places of scripture seems to imply that he thought he might even be around when Jesus Christ came again. He had a sense of imminence. That theological word imminence means that the return of Jesus Christ could happen at any moment. Could happen now or now or now. He says, but we shall be changed. That means exchanged. It means to be transformed. It's the same but different. And then he says, in a moment. The Greek word here is atomo. It's where we get the word atom from. Uh, It's that which cannot be cut into two. It is indivisible. It cannot be divided. This is a moment of time. He says in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, Maybe better if you've got a translation which says a blink of an eye. When Jesus returns, we will be changed suddenly, completely. We will not even be aware that it happened. One moment, yeah, next moment, immortal. And then, forever and ever. Someone said, I don't know if this is true, we've got a couple of doctors here today, maybe they can verify it, that we blink between 10,000 and 20,000 times a day. In one of those moments of time, Jesus could return. Let's apply this text to this point. Believers in the room, are you prepared for the imminent, eternal, relational reunion with Jesus Christ, your Lord? Are you expectant? For the imminent beginning of forever and ever eternal life. Does that stir excitement in your soul? Because at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Those who have died before us in Christ as well as all of those who are living in the year and now in Christ, will put on a heavenly tuxedo. We will cast away our decaying, dying bodies, which are utterly unfit for heaven's glories to come. No more filthy rags. No more spiritual heaviness. We will be clothed in garments of salvation, wrapped with robes of Jesus Christ's righteousness, adorned in garments of praise, forever clothed in fine linen, bright and clean. Amen. I'm excited about that. I long for that transformation. Because our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven, but in Christ, those living, together with those raised, will be changed. That's the first point. Here's the second point. Triumph. Triumph. Let me tell you what the next couple of verses are about, and then I'll read it and explain it. This transformation that we've been talking about, this transformation fulfills prophecy. 
of death's defeat. And it is made possible for us through Jesus. This transformation fulfills prophecy of death's defeat, and it is made possible for us through Jesus. Read with me from verse 54 to 57. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. First half of that sentence. This transformation fulfills the prophecy of death's defeat. It says in verse 54, when. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and then it goes on to say, then. When and then. This is the first and farthest reaching of all Old Testament prophecies. It began in the garden after man fell into sin. It began with the curse to the serpent when God promised one would come to crush his head. It started then and it goes through to eternity future when we with God reign forever and ever and death is swallowed up and never returns. It is the first prophecy with the farthest reaching implications. And Paul quotes two Old Testament verses. The first verse that he quotes is Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8. Isaiah 25 talks about an eternal state, a state of bliss, a state where the curse is reversed forever and ever, a state where there is a return to Genesis chapter 2, perfection. One commentator notes about Isaiah 25, that death is not merely destroyed so that it cannot do further harm while all of the harm which it has wrought on God's children remain. It's not like a tornado which is merely checked with no additional homes wrecked while those homes which it has wrecked still stay in ruin. No. In Isaiah 25, death and all of its apparent victories are undone for God's children. What looks like victory for death and like defeat for us when our bodies die and decay shall be utterly reversed so that death dies an absolute defeat and our bodies live again in absolute victory. The second passage of scripture which Paul quotes is Hosea chapter 13 verse 14. And in Hosea chapter 13, Israel's sin was so great and Israel's judgment would be so severe, but God's ability and power to save even from death. So that death and the grave are mocked, they are 
taunted, defeated foes because God is mightier still. Paul is taunting mankind's lost enemy, death. The idea here is that death may have stung Jesus on the cross, but death has left its stinger in him. John MacArthur comments that Christ bore the whole of death's sting in order that we would have to bear none of it. These prophecies, the fulfillment of these prophecies are made possible for us through Jesus. It says death, sin, the law. Friends, we rightly fear death because our sin separates us from God. We are convicted of sin because we fall short of the law. But, that's what the text says, but, it gives an alternative, an opposite possibility rising from a situation. God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is mighty to save. Friend, take heart. In your final battle with death, there will be victory. God will overcome. God will triumph. God will deliver. How? Jesus kept the law perfectly and was not guilty of any sin. Jesus died as a substitute in our place that we might be reconciled to God. We need no longer fear death because in Christ we are victors. His victory is our victory. His winning becomes so that we might win. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our victor. Jesus is our champion, our conqueror. Let's apply this text up to this point. Unbeliever. And in a room... This size, I have no doubt that we have unbelievers present. You might have been dragged here with a husband or a wife. You might have been dragged here with a friend from college or from varsity. But this applies to you. How will you face death? In defeat or in Christ? Spurgeon commented on this text that this is the sting of death in you unconverted ones not that you are dying but that after death is the judgment that you must stand before the judge of the quick and the dead to receive a sentence for the sins that you have committed in your body against him friend turn from fear turn to Jesus He can save you from your self-righteousness, from your self-depravity. You will certainly die. The wages of your sin is death. It is appointed for man to die once and then after the judgment. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear him who can kill the soul and destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are you at the point where you can declare, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Good. Then you are at the point where you can hear, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you turn to Jesus? Would you repent of your sins and put your faith and your trust in him? He died for your sins and he rose from the grave victorious over death and over hell and over Satan. Turn to Jesus. Do it at once. Do so today. Do not delay. We've looked at transformation. Our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven, but in Christ, those living with those raised will be changed. And we've looked at triumph. This transformation fulfills prophecy of death's defeat, made possible for us through Jesus Christ. Number three, testimony. Let me tell you what the next few verses are saying, and then I'll read it so we have it close to mind. Therefore, in light of eternity and in light of being in the Lord, we must presently abound in good works. Verse 58 reads, Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now the first word, therefore. Whenever you see the word, therefore, you've got to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? And the answer is because eternity is imminent, because it's around the corner, because it will be here in a blink of an eye, because the moment is near, and because Jesus Christ has won the victory and we are victorious in him, Therefore, we are to live out our lives to God's praise and glory in the now. We must presently abound in good works. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be. That's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. It is something that you must do. It's three things, in fact, that you must do. Number one, you must be steadfast in this life. In a world which is constantly changing from one degree of godlessness to the next, believers must stand firm. Number two, we must be immovable. This is not immovable in terms of church traditions. This is not implying that we need to be Amish or adopt old-fashioned dress or old-fashioned music. This isn't religion on the outside. This is an immovability on the truth, on that which has been revealed, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace, Salvation through Christ alone. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection and the priority of the gospel. Immovable in the monotheism and the doctrines of the Holy Trinity. On truth, we shall not be moved. Number three, abounding in the work of the Lord. Friends, 
Scripture knows nothing of salvation, of transformation, of the kind of justification which happens at the point of salvation without a corresponding transformation of life. Jesus said a good tree is known by its fruit because good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce well, bad fruit. The reality is our lives as believers look like something as we live them out to God's praise and glory because of the transformation which he has done within us. Salvation looks like something. It looks like a life lived in the joy of God to his praise and glory forever. Three points from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 to verse 58. Number one, transformation. Our feeble frames aren't fit for heaven, but in Christ, those living together with those raised will be changed. Number two, triumph. This transformation fulfills prophecy of death's defeat made possible for us through Jesus. And number three, testimony. Therefore, in light of eternity, in light of being in Christ, we must presently abound in good works. Just so far in God's word. Amen. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we all feel the sting of death in this life. The likelihood is we'll feel it in our own mortal flesh. But we feel it, Lord God, in those around us. Those who suffer and those who go before us. And yet in your word we read that death has been defeated. In your word, Lord God, we read of our lives already being uh, transformed at the point of salvation and we look forward to a further transformation into glorification when you come and collect us and take us home. That there is triumph in the person of Jesus Christ. Victory through our champion. Oh Lord, Help us both to see these truths and then live out our lives in their light to your praise and glory. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.